Over the past 50 years, the church has had remarkable growth. If we think about what's happened in our country since the mid-70s, what happened was there was a movement called the seeker-sensitive movement. And it was a movement that said, we want to create churches and church programs and church buildings that anybody can come to and anybody can feel welcome in. Uh, in, the, in that time, over those 50 years, we've started remarkable movements of church planting, where more churches have been planted in the last 50 years than there were in the previous 100. We've created better programs. Our music has gotten better. Our preaching has gotten better. Our buildings have gotten bigger. Our buildings have become more comfortable. Our, our, our services have become refined. We've gotten excellent at what we do. I would say our preachers have gotten better. We have internet and we have cameras and we can spread the word of God in ways that we couldn't before. There are people right now who are worshiping with us who aren't even in this room. That was unheard of 50 years ago. There has been remarkable movements and remarkable changes and remarkable growth to what has happened in the church, but I wonder if we've lost something. I was having lunch with a friend the other day, and the friend is not a Christian, and the friend looked at me and said, when did the church stop building hospitals? You know, the church used to be at the center of culture. We used to be the ones that built the hospitals. We used to be the ones that built the universities. We used to be the ones that built the nonprofits that changed the communities. We used to make the vaccines instead of argue about the vaccines. We used to be in a place where we shifted and changed culture over and over and over again. And here's the reality of everything in life, the future, our future, our kids' future, will be determined by what we build today. And here's my fear. My fear is over the past 50 years, what the church has done is built more churches and abandoned the communities. My fear is that we've built larger buildings, created better programs, added more staff, added better excellence, raised the quality of everything that we're doing, and in some ways, we've lost something significant. We want to call the church to dream again because when the people of God fail to bear fruit, the world goes hungry. And what we do often is we have abandoned the social sector. We have abandoned the business sector. We have abandoned the high rises downtown and we filled our churches on Sunday and then we complain when things aren't redemptive, when things aren't full of grace, when things don't look like they're full of mercy, when power structures demean other folks or take from other people. We complain about all of those things, but are we actually influencing them? Are we actually stepping into the gap and doing something amazing? I love what Brian Krawczyk said in that video where he said, nearly everywhere there is real transformative work happening, there is a follower of Jesus quietly following their kingdom dream. And so today on Pentecost, we want to actually look at the word, but we want to celebrate the fact that it's not the institution that changes the world, guys. It's not a church service that changes the world. It's not a sermon that changes the world. It's not a program that we start that changes the world. It's not a new building or a new church or a new church plant that changes the world. It's the people of God following the thing that God has given them, right? Ephesians 2, you are his masterpiece, his, his poema, 
You are the masterpiece that he created. And he created you in advance for the good works that he's prepared for you. There is a good work that has been deposited in you from the beginning of time. And Jesus wants to get that good work out of you. And the question is, are we walking into those kingdom dreams and are we living into those kingdom dreams? So Acts chapter 2 is the story of Pentecost. I want to spend just a moment there. Acts chapter 2, verse 2, and it starts with this really simple verse that has incredible, powerful meaning for us today. When the day of Pentecost arrived, this is the day where the church was launched, right? This is the day where the Holy Spirit fell for the first time. This is the day when the helper that Jesus had told his disciples showed up in the form of the Holy Spirit. This is the day where everything else was built on this day. If you want to ask the question, when did the church start? It started right here. This is when the church started. This is what happened. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Kind of like we are right now. They were all together in one place. All the disciples were in a room. Jesus had said to them, go, wait in Jerusalem, and I will send a helper. And so they were listening, right? They all gathered in a room. They were all waiting. But here's the thing that happened. When the Holy Spirit came, the people of God left the building. Pentecost is always a call to leave the building. And this takes place in two subtle shifts. And these are shifts that take place both in our mindset and in our rhythms and in our actions. First, we change our minds, then we change our behavior, right? And so what happens is there's this shift that happens in what we believe, in what we understand, in how we act, and how we behave, and that shift leads to our behavior. And I believe there are two significant shifts that have to take place in the Church of America in order for us to retake culture, in order for us to step out again and become an influence in the social sector, in the business sector, and in the world around us. The first shift is this. We need to move from attractional, you come in, to incarnate we go out. We've got to move from this space of we're trying to build this consumer thing that draws everybody to us and says, you know what you need to do if you're a follower of Jesus? You need to show up on Sunday morning at 10 o'clock and you need to listen to Angie sing some great songs and occasionally you're going to raise your hands and really get into it. And if you really love Jesus, you'll open up your Bible when Ben teaches and you'll listen to a miraculous word of God, right? And, and, And then you'll go and... What? Like, I love the church, guys. 27 years I've been a pastor. I have preached weekly for 27 years. I love the church, but I love what the church could be, not what it is today. Because what the church could be is a place that changes the world. What the church could be is a place where we gather together every single week because we need each other, because we need to be encouraged, because we need to open up the word, because we love the gospel, because we love the word. We need to worship together because Jesus is worthy of our praise. God is worthy of our honor. We need to be together because we need to be encouraged. All of those things are true, but the greatest reason we need to be together on Sunday is so we can live out our calling the other days of the week. And so there has to be a shift. Jesus told his disciples, go. Right? He didn't, there, nowhere did Jesus say, here's what I want you to do. 
get in that room. Everybody, get in that room. Find one of you guys who's really good at talking and everybody will just at least half listen to for 25 minutes to 45 minutes. Find somebody who can play guitar, get them over here, gather everybody, and listen. It's nowhere in scripture. It's nowhere in the Bible. He said, go and make disciples. And he actually was very specific with his disciples. He said, wait until the helper comes, and then when the helper comes, here's what I want you to do. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. It was strategic. I want you to start here. Jerusalem is where we are today. I want you to move Jerusalem to Judea. That's right next to Jerusalem. Then I want you to expand from there. I want you to grow out, and I want you to move and work and have your way. Acts 1 verse 8 says, but you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When the Holy Spirit comes, the Holy Spirit always leads us outward. And I want us to shift this posture that says, I want to experience the Holy Spirit in worship and teaching to I want to experience the Holy Spirit's power in my work. I want to experience the Holy Spirit's power when I'm at the restaurant and the waiter or waitress has needs and I have a chance to pray for them or care for them or speak hope over them. I want the Holy Spirit's power when I'm having conversations with my children talking to them about life. Lord, I need the Holy Spirit in those moments. I want the Holy Spirit's movement when I'm trying to get along with my neighbors and they're annoying. I want the Holy Spirit's movement in every area of my life, and I think we've settled for a worship experience and for one hour of week of the Holy Spirit instead of experiencing the Holy Spirit every moment of our life. Shift number two is a shift in time. It's moving from event-based where the church is at this time, to life-based, where the church is based on our relational rhythms. It's moving from this is church, church is worship, church is gathering together, church is being in the building, church is the program that I'm a part of, church is the small group that I'm a part of, to saying, no, 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 wherever two or three are gathered, that's the church. Let me tell you this, right now, some of you are gonna go to lunch together today. There's gonna be two families somewhere you are gonna go to lunch. You're gonna pick a place. There are not very good places in East Cobb. If you want Applebee's, we've got them in spades. If you want anything unique, you gotta drive downtown or go to the square or go somewhere else. I apologize, East Cobb people. I know you really love your one restaurant that is not a chain, right? Uh, the, the, everything is a chain. Like it's all, but it, you're gonna go somewhere. It's probably gonna be a chain. You're gonna go to your Applebee's. You're gonna get the appetizers. You're going to buy, I don't even know what they serve at Applebee's. You're going to get mozzarella sticks. You're going to sit together. I want you to know this. You are having church. Some of you are going to invite each other into your homes. You're going to be like, man, my kids are driving me crazy. I just got to get my kids with your kids for a little bit. And can we just have them run in the backyard for like three hours because I need a rest desperately and they never sleep, right? And you're going to get together. And when you're gathering together and children are running all over the place and it feels chaotic and crazy, you're having church. Church is our rhythm of life. It's the relationships that we have together. The church, the people of God, it happens everywhere we go. We are the church. 
Church isn't a program. The church isn't at a time. Church isn't at 10.30 on Sundays. It's not at 9.45 on Monday mornings when you're having your small group. The church is who we are. Watch what happens when the church actually does get out of the building. Because all the people of God were in the building. The helper, the Holy Spirit shows up and look what happens. Suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house that they were sitting in. And it divided tongues as fire and appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And here's what happens. When we get out of the building, we start to actually interpret culture, not to fight it. We start to actually have words for what's happening in culture. We are actually the ones who are telling our community and telling our culture and naming what's actually happening. We have eyes to see and tongues to speak what's really going on. Now there was a dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at the sound of the multitude, they came together and they were bewildered, each one of them hearing them speak in their own language. And they were amazed and astonished. And they said, are these not, are, are these who are speaking Galileans, and how is it that we hear each other in our own native language? There is this huge divide between the sacred and the secular right now. There is this gap that we believe in, that there are moments that are holy. There are moments that are sacred. There are moments that matter. There are moments that it's like, take your shoes off. The presence of the Lord is here. Let's be in it. And then there are moments that we believe are secular, They're just we go through life. This sacred secular divide doesn't exist in the Bible. All of life is ordained by Jesus. All of life has been given us by God. Everything has been created. Every person you come in contact with, the most annoying person you know is created in the image of God, and and he is an image bearer. She is an image bearer of the Most High God. He's everywhere. He's always working. Every moment is sacred. Every moment is holy. Every moment is ripe with possibilities because God is always present and always at work and he's always moving. So Pentecost is a call to trust the power of God when we obey. It's a call for us to say, I'm not just going to leave the building. I'm going to trust that when I leave the building that power is going with me. I'm going to trust that when I step out, that God goes with me. All of Scripture is about progressive revelation. And so I meet with so many different people who are like, I've got an idea for a nonprofit that I think I should start, but I'm just not sure what's going to happen five years down the road. And that's not how God works. There's nowhere in Scripture where God meets with someone and gives them the entire 10-year plan. He says, go. Go. Sometimes with Abraham, he says, go. Where am I going? I don't even know. Just go. I'm giving you a land. It's already yours. You know how many times in the Old Testament God goes and tells people to go fight a battle? Go fight the battle. Well, how are we going to win? I don't know. Just go. Well, we don't have any weapons. Yeah, just go fight it. Well, we don't have the numbers to win this battle. It's all right. I'll be with you. That's God. And he's still doing it today. There are battles that need to be fought in our culture. There's battles that need to be fought in our communities. There's battles that need to be fought in Cobb County. And when the people of God are too afraid to go fight those battles, we never get the progress that we're called to. We've got to leave the room and we've got to trust that the battle belongs to the Lord. 
We've got to believe that when I step out, God is going to work and God is going to move and God is going to make a change. And so today, my hope and my prayer has been that today is both an invitation for you and a challenge for you. I hope you sense an invitation to to join a kingdom community. All of our kingdom communities are supposed to have a missional aspect. They're supposed to be reaching people beyond just church people. They're supposed to be living a life together where there is rhythms that work together outside of the walls of the church. They're supposed to be praying together, caring for one another, eating meals together, but also reaching people that aren't already here. I want to invite you to join a kingdom community. I want to invite you to think about your kingdom dream. What's the dream that God has placed inside of you? What's the good work that was prepared for you in advance? Because the truth is you're either living into that dream or you're not. There's only two options. You either live your kingdom dream or you don't. And kingdom dreams do not just happen in clergy, right? For, I grew up in the church. When I grew up in the church, the only way, the only imagination I was given on how you are really obedient, if you're really obedient, you become a pastor. I want to change that completely. I want the pastors to be the dummies that just fell into it, right? God will take care of the pastors. I need people to believe that they're really called to go out into the world. Some of you right now, you manage staffs. I talked to a woman today, she worked, or last week, she works in a hospital. She has 170 staff that report to her. And she was telling me, like, I just don't feel like I do anything for the kingdom. And I was like, are you kidding me? You're pastoring a larger church than most of the country. 170 people every week? You're the pastor of those people. Go. Right? What do we need to do as the church to like bless you and send you to go do it? Like, If you need me to put oil on your forehead, I will do it. If you need me to put my hand on your face and knock you back, I'll do it. Like, What is it that we need? I will pray for you. We believe in you. But we believe that every single one of us are the priesthood of all believers, which means the moment we become followers of Christ, the moment we say yes to Jesus, the moment we give him our life, the moment we get dipped in that water and say, I am dead to my old life. I'm alive to something new. The moment that happens, you are a pastor. The moment that happens, John John Micklewaite and Adrian Woolridge wrote a book recently, and they described the state of the American church, and they said it has become the Disneyfication of God. They said the Christian life has become bland, sanitized, and it's about as dramatic as an average shopping mall, and it's closing at the same rate. I am, listen guys, I was on a podcast this week, and I was a friend that was interviewing me, and he asked me this question, and I hate him for it. He said, he said you are the most reluctant pastor I've ever met. And I was like, why would you say that on a live recording? (laughs) And is there a question involved in this? And I said, I'm only reluctant because I don't have that much interest in building a big service on Sunday. It just doesn't matter that much to me. If there's 25 people or there's 500 people in this room I don't care about our gathering power, I care about our sending power. I don't care about what happens in this room, I care about what happens out in the world. And I'm reluctant because I believe that ministry can happen out there just as much as it can happen here.
And so I want to challenge you this morning. Like most things in life, getting out of the building requires personal effort. It requires endurance. It requires difficulty. It requires basic, rigorous tasks that happen over and over again. It, ha- it, it, it requires steps of faith. And so the challenge for us is to stop being consumers who show up at a building to get something and start becoming the people who gather together to go do something. And I want you to know right now, if there is a kingdom dream in your heart right now, if there's something that you are called to launch, if there's something that you are called to start, and you need equipping, you need training, you need resources, you need help, if you are bringing good into the world, this church will leverage its assets to help you. We will leverage our experience and our expertise. We'll leverage our relationships and connect you to the right people. We'll leverage our spiritual capital. We got some prayers in here, and when they pray, Jesus hears them and listens to them. I'm not kidding. There's people in this room that when I want Jesus to do something, I'm like, I've asked him. He didn't listen to me, but when you pray, something actually happens. I'm calling you. Right? We'll leverage our spiritual capital. We'll leverage our financial capital. This is the only Pentecost that we've had in the last six years where we have not asked for a donation for something that we are starting as the Grace family. Typically, we're standing up here and we're saying, we're starting a new campus and we're going to this new city and we're gonna go to, I don't know, Think of a city that you like. We're gonna go to that city and we're gonna plant a church there and we need everybody to raise some money. You know what I wanna ask you to do today? I wanna ask you not to give to that. I wanna ask you to give to some entrepreneur that's starting their thing. I want to ask you to give to some nonprofit that can barely get off the ground, but man, do they have a good vision and a good dream of what could be. I wanna ask you to leverage your assets and what you have to help those things get launched. We're good. We're doing great. Our budget's good. We're doing really well. Don't stop giving. <laughs> right? But if you got some extra, right? You're going over that 10%. Find somebody else to give it to. Right? There are so many good and worthy causes that are happening outside the walls of the church. I wonder, like, I, here's one of my thoughts, and this is crazy. This is my reluctant pastor stuff here. 50 years of giving to the church. Have we actually been good stewards of that money? Or would we have been better off just giving to nonprofits all the way? Take all the money that's been given into church planting, take the billions of dollars that's been invested in church planting, and build some hospitals, and build some universities, and put Christian people at the core of that, and allow them to be pastors of those places. And I think we have just the same amount of impact as we do here. Listen, I love the church. I want you to come to church. Everybody with me? Can you please come next week? I I want you to be here. But I want to challenge you to think about what you're doing outside the walls of the church. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to close the service. The band's going to come. We've got communion set up all around the room. And anytime we take communion, there's this just realization of what Christ gave for us. Christ withheld nothing so that we would know him. His body his blood, he gave us everything. And so the question for us is, will we do the same? Now, this week alone, we've got three members of our church that are heading to Israel. This week alone, I met with multiple people from our church who are either starting businesses or figuring out how to start their business. And as they're starting those businesses, they're, they're trying to figure out how do I become the pastor of this space and how do I do something redemptive and good and beautiful? 
There's all of these beautiful sprouts that are sprouting all over our community, and we want to tend to those. And so this morning, I want to just open up the altar here, and we're just going to open up space here up front, and if you have a sense that there's a call on your life that you're not living into, I want you just to come forward and say, Jesus, I need you. If you're trying to live into the calling that's on your life right now and it feels hard and it feels difficult and you're like, I have stepped out. I stepped out of the building and nothing happened. The fire didn't come. The tongues didn't come. I don't understand anything. I'm actually more confused. Let's come and let's pray about that. If, if, you, if you're just sensing there's something more, if you're feeling like a holy discontent in your job, if you're feeling a holy discontent with your life, if you're feeling like you, just like we talked about in that video, have become fast asleep or have become a zombie, then come forward and say, Jesus, would you awaken my heart again? Here's my prayer. My prayer is that right now, just like in Acts chapter two, the Holy Spirit is here. The helper is in the room and he wants to speak to us. He wants to move in this place. He wants to call us to new missions. He wants to invite us to new dreams. He wants to stir something up in us. And so could we just take the posture of surrender and say, Holy Spirit, we sang it already, right? Could we move beyond singing about it? And could we say, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here, not here in this room, here in my heart, here in my life, here in my rhythms, here in my finances, here in my family, here in my prayers, here in my daily uh, nine to five, here in everything, you are welcome here, so have your way. So Heavenly Father, I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit right now that you would unleash dreams and visions in this space right now. I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would move and work and have your way. I pray that right now you begin depositing dreams of future things that you wanna place in hearts. I pray that for the person who's struggling, who's stepped out but doesn't have the resources or the training or needs something to get their thing going, I pray that they would be able to see you and know you and and that you would provide answers and clarity and hope for them. I pray for the heart that is just stirring and discontent right now and knows there's something better. They know that the life that they're living right now is not the life that they're called to live. And I pray that you would awaken something new in them. We ask Jesus for the power of your Holy Spirit, just like on Pentecost, to fall on this place. And we ask that our little church is changed by that. We ask all of this in the beautiful name of Jesus, and it's in his name we pray, and all God's people said, amen.